because I like to record this outtake stuff. Okay, so um, when you listen to your show on on Vroom Vroom Veer, what you're going to hear is somebody else talking first, like we're doing right now. <laughs> so don't freak out. <laughs> okay, and and basically I do this little outtake, and then we talk about how I tell you I would like you to do an intro or sort of like a little promo for my show and your stuff. Does that make sense? And then yeah. I take that and I put it on somebody else's show. So you're going to hear one of those on your show. <laughs> Don't send me an email on Monday after your show goes live saying, hey, there's this shit you need to delete <laughs> before my show starts. Because it happens every show. Anyway, I think it's funny. I, and now I get more of a kick out of the angry emails. So, you know, please go ahead and do it. <laughs> um, I'll drop an F-bomb in on that email for you. Yes, for thank sure. you. Thank you. So this, it goes something like, hi, this is John Gillum. Am I saying your name right? Yeah. Okay. Hi, this is John Gillum from uh, adbank.network. And you are listening to Jeff Smith on Vroom Vroom Veer. Listen up. Something like that. Whenever you're ready. Hi, you listening to uh, John Gillum on Vroom Vroom Veer by Jeff Smith. See, look at that. Easy peasy and lemon squeezy. I think I screwed up this, the order there, but got the, the same info out. <laughs> you got the same info. If you want to do it three more times, it's it's all good. You know. But what, what did you want? Did, what, how did you want it to go again? Uh, it, 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 it really doesn't matter, but it's like high. You know, you've got, like you said, you got all the elements. You know, and I'll, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll edit this until it's like funny. So, um, yeah, just yeah, say no. like something like, uh, Hey, this is John Gillum, right? I'm with, uh, adbank.network and you are listening to Vroom Vroom Veer with Jeff Smith. See, now we've said it like three times, so we've covered it, <laughs> but if you want to do it again, please feel free. Sure, I'll get it, get it right this time here. But Hi, this is John Gillum, and you're listening to Vroom Vroom Veer with Jeff Smith. Perfect. All right, I'm going to hit stop, and then we'll actually start the show. Okay, sounds good. Are you ready to thoughtfully steer away from your revved up, frenzied, and far too often scripted life? Then welcome to Vroom Vroom Veer with Jeff Smith where he guides you down the road differently traveled by sharing unique experiences with guests who have managed to shift away from a life stuck on cruise control and veered their way into a more authentic and fulfilling one in all sorts of interesting and kind of remarkable ways. Get ready to Vroom Vroom Veer with your differently traveled road chauffeur, Jeff Smith. Joseph Hogue, thank you so much for being on Vroom Vroom Veer and welcome to the show. How's it going? It's going great, Jeff. Thanks for having me. Yeah, uh, I appreciate you being here. So you are at, mostly these days, uh, Let's Talk Money on YouTube. So talk a little bit about what you got going on in your channel. Sure. Well, you know, the channel was has really just developed over the last year. Uh, and, you know, I, I knew I wanted to go to video. I've been a blogger for, for about five years now on uh, five different websites. I uh, love it, but you know you you can't get that face to face engagement you can with the community. So I, I started making videos, and uh, you know the response has just been amazing. Just love talking uh, more directly to people. I uh, love doing the interviews, and uh, it's it's been a great experience. You know, so I so I kind of fold everything that I talk about from the blogs. You know, beating debt, making money, and really just making your money work for you because that's 
that's really how you create that financial future. Amen. Uh, so yes, I, I felt the same way. I spent some time blogging, and that's kind of lonely. <laughs> sure. Yep, yep. You're just it's you versus Google pecking away. Pecking away. Yeah, right. Sure. And you know, trying to score points on SEO, and you know, whereas like doing this, like sitting and talking to somebody I've never met before, that seems really interesting. That's fun, right? I could do this, you know, all day. There's someone it. else on the call here, or yeah, uh, you, yes, me, the mouse in my pocket. So I don't know. <laughs> well done. I think you might have the wrong lead in there, but go ahead. <laughs> Well done. Well done. Okay. Well, you are interesting. You are my keyword, as we said. So um, before we get into uh, the Pulp Fiction version of your life, I'm going to do some teasing. Um, So we're going to talk later on about how you ended up living in Colombia, but not right away. Um, And maybe we'll talk about how um, you you and I both learned that early retirement isn't probably the thing you're working towards because, well, we'll talk about it later. But first... Let's talk about some uh, funny stories about you growing up in Iowa, and I grew up in Michigan, sort of kind of bordering the Midwest region, so similar yet pretty different. So talk a little bit about what it was like growing up in Iowa. Sure. Well, uh, funny stories, I don't know. I think just saying growing up in Iowa is a funny story. <laughs> I understand, uh, yes. You know, it's, it's usually the punchline to a, to a joke, uh, something like, you know, five years behind the trend, but uh, yeah, I'd <laughs> You know, we've all we all grew up in our own little bubble, so it's hard to say that that anything in particular is is odd or weird okay. uh, as far as as far as growing up. Uh, you know, was it pretty lower, rural? Low, lower yeah. lower middle class, uh, small metropolitan. You know, Des Moines is the capital, so it's not necessarily uh, pigs and corn, but it's uh, <laughs> not it's not New York City either. So uh, no, I think I, Des Moines you know, I think is maybe nice. a million million people uh, in the metropolitan. Right. So. So it's a it's a small town, I guess, small city, right? If you could if you could stretch to call it that. Mm. Uh, but yeah, like you know, like like most people, I think from uh, from some of the larger cities, you know, you always get a sense of uh, something larger out there. So you end up uh, moving as as quickly as possible, and then realizing that uh, you know the rainbow, uh, the grass wasn't uh, so green on the other side, and and you usually make it back to Iowa a few times in your life, and that's that's kind of the story of my life, really. So was it, were you in the city or were you out in the country? I was in the, in the city. Okay. So, so you uh, were right in like in or around Des Moines? Uh-huh. Yep. Yep. I grew up on the South side. Uh, and, and when I say South side, that's not necessarily that far from the city. <laughs> okay. You know, the, su- the suburbs are, aren't, aren't too far from the city, uh, gotcha. in, uh, in Des Moines. So, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say something that might make you laugh. So when I was in high school, I did this business club and in it, uh, I was part of this computer aided graphics team. Okay. And, uh, we did, uh, my buddies and I, there was like me and two dudes and we were, we were the team and our, our, uh, little graphic design, the computer aided graphic design won at the Michigan state competition for this computer-aided graphics design contest. And that won us uh, all-expense-paid trip to Des Moines, Iowa. <laughs> wow. Yeah, the very first time I ever flew a plane, I flew f- so, to so Des Moines. So you won, you won because the uh, the other 10 teams were trying not to win. Is that, <laughs> is that what you're I, saying? I don't know. You know, you know the, the thing is, is our, our school was the only school that had a Macintosh. 
Um, so they wanted to, the state officials in the club wanted to disqualify us because we were the only school uh, in the state that used a Macintosh to do this computer aided graphics, which, you know, at that time was it was a little they had like, you know, sort of like a black and white version of paint that we mm-hmm. used to make a really cool looking graphic um, to go with this theme. So, so what you're saying is you were cheating using that that high tech Apple two E, uh, you know, the, the, they, the, dot, they, yeah. the dotted green screen and all. Our wow. teachers had to fight for us, you know, Who, and they were like, yeah, but they did, and then we got to go. So, so you're funded by like MIT with that that high tech there. I don't know, right? Good stuff. Yeah. Uh, apparently, at that point, Michigan was really investing in business education. So good for them. <laughs> but Des Moines was like. A big city relative to my experience in Michigan. So, wow. <laughs> I, I, I at once feel sorry for you and pity you now because of that statement. Yeah, but you know what though? It was it was an amazing experience. They, you know, there was like this Seven uh, Eleven equivalent in downtown Des Moines that we had never heard of. Um, I can't remember the name of it, but they had this like this dog on it, and and the the catchphrase that it was "Ain't that right, Lamar." <laughs> do you remember Lamar and ain't that right? I, 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 I remember Lamar and I do, I do know that, you know, most people, that is the thing they remember when they go to Des Moines, a Seven Eleven equivalent. Uh, I don't remember I, I, what it was oh, called. Whole city. Oh yeah. There's a great Seven Eleven there. <laughs> there was this big, uh, green glass building in downtown. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Anyway, Seven yep. Elevens and green grass and, and buildings. That's, we got that. <laughs> yeah, and really, really good barbecue. I think um, to my, you know, in Michigan where I grew up, barbecue was just like uh, burnt chicken with barbecue sauce. And it was a little bit better in Iowa. Wow. And you just made every Southerner cry on your podcast. <laughs> you say that Iowa was really good barbecue. I didn't say really good, but at that time it was relatively better. I, I don't know. Now I've had actual barbecue from the South. So, you know, now, okay, I, I would have to go back to Iowa and, and then have it again. So I don't. <laughs> okay. Uh, again, that's, that's most people say that I would have to go back to Iowa and yeah, that's not going to happen. So <laughs> maybe not, maybe not. I only go back to Michigan like uh, once a year to visit family, friends, you know, sure. uh, and uh, it's always has to be not winter. That's our only rule. I don't really like summer either cause it's hot and muggy, but so we yeah. try to hit either spring or uh, fall which are really nice. Okay. So enough about Iowa and Michigan. Um, so at some point you decided that it wasn't illegal and you were allowed to leave and you, and you chose to escape via the Marine Corps. So talk a little bit about, (laughs) uh, your experiences in the Marines. Yep. And, and you know, this is turning into a cliche, but yeah, the, uh, the, the, the young and dumb, uh, Midwestern boy joins the military and, uh, goes get some life lessons so that's uh you know that's the plot of of our next movie here. But, <laughs> I did it too. Uh, I you know I yeah. escaped into the Air Force. So you know, uh, it was fun. Sure. Yeah. So no, I joined joined the Marine Corps, became an an armorer, uh, which is basically just kind of a, a small arms, uh, we- small weapons mechanic. Okay, right. Uh, you know, did most of my most of my duty station uh, on the coast. You know, went from uh, went from San Diego in California to uh, to the other coast. Uh, Paris Island, South Carolina. Oh, wow. Okay. So, uh, you know, and, and 
had a good time. Actually, I think I probably had more fun bartending at night uh, nights than I did uh, actually working my job, my marine job. But mm. uh, but that's uh, you know it's all part of life. Sure, sure. So how long did you end up staying in? Just like four year hitch kind of idea. Mm-hmm. Yep, just a four years, uh, and then two years uh, reserve duty. Right. Uh, and you know I I. I I give it a lot of, of, of crap to being in the Marines and, <laughs> right. and all that, but, uh, but it was a good experience. You know, I wasn't ready for, for college yet. Uh, and I think a lot of people are kind of in that situation where they've never been out on their own. They don't have that self-discipline and they really don't know what they want with their life. You know, you get to college and, and you're undeclared for about four and a half years and then you figure <laughs> out, Oh, I have to finish minute, this crap. I, ha- yeah, <laughs> yeah. I have to actually, you know, and get do something and get a job, right. and do something useful. So, true. so, uh, so yeah, you know, I mean, uh, I think it's a, I think it's a good, a good experience for, for anyone really. Well, especially, you know, you had, that's gotta be a giant amount of culture shock going from Idaho to San Diego, right? Yeah. If I had gone from Idaho, but, uh, Oh, sorry. You know, Iowa. From I- Iowa. <laughs> Iowa. My bad. My bad. <laughs> Iowa. Yeah, no, I can, Iowa. I can usually take that from people from New York and California because they right. don't know any better. But, You're right. Uh, no, Michigan. I, I know. Okay. Yeah. I owe you a beer. You're right. (laughs) (laughs) Iowa, Iowa. Um, So, yeah, I mean, like when I join the Air Force, you know, I go to basic and and then that's traumatic for everybody. And I think it's meant to be that way. Uh, I survived that. Go to tech school and they teach me how to type, you know, Uh, and then I find myself in Japan for two years. So I really appreciate that now. Then it was just like you know, just a crazy weird experience. But now I realize in retrospect, living in Japan is now part of my childhood experience because <laughs> I was like uh-huh. 18, 19 and 20, you know, so very much still a kid and living in a completely foreign environment. That was amazing. So, you know, say what you want about military service, you know, at least you get out of, out of Dodge. You know, sure. I think no, that's it's, what it's we're a, all looking it's for. It's a great opportunity for a lot of people, you know, right. a, a lot of people that wouldn't normally leave the, uh, you know, maybe the 50 square mile uh, confounds of their of their birth city or something. And that, a lot of they, people do that. Yeah. Yeah. They've got the opportunity to uh, basically see the world, uh, <laughs> do all kinds of stuff. They get, uh, uh, you know, you get just about everything paid for you. So it's it's actually an opportunity to opportunity to save money, even though most people don't take advantage of it. Yes. Uh, yeah. But yeah, that the benefits, uh, it's, yeah, I'm actually kind of on the side of, uh, mandatory military service at 18. You know, I think it would be, Not uh, a bad two idea. Years would be a great experience and, and a great way to start, uh, start people's lives off as, as, you know, citizens. I know why we don't do that. Because we're lazy, but go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I was in the military 20 years, right? So I I was in a lot longer than you. And um, it's hard enough to get like the folks, especially I think more so in the Air Force. The Air Force, for whatever reason, you know, we get the smarty pants of the military, right? (laughs) And so they get really like, uh, hmm, what's the, you know, like, Oh, I'm a computer programmer. I don't want to do, I don't want to clean the toilet kind of attitude. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, I could see where it would be hard to, uh, to put everybody to work. We would need some kind of like a civilian corps. And of course that probably kind of sounds too much like stormtroopers and and a national police force. (laughs) 
So we're, we're probably going down the well, wrong path there, but it's workable. I think we can I do know it why we don't do it. It's, sound, it's it because it's, I mean, if those folks are being put in there mandatory, you know, then sure. it's, it's even more difficult to get them to scrub those toilets. <laughs> and that's, that's part of the experience, you know, to be humbled, I think. Mm-hmm. Right. Into being Absolutely. like, shut up and color and clean those toilets, shut up and color and paint those rocks. You know, I think that's an amazingly great lesson for everybody to have, uh, especially children. So anyway, that's just, okay, I'll get off the soapbox and we can move on. <laughs> um, what was it? I was going to say another thing about being in the military, but I, it eh, doesn't matter if this shows about you. Okay. So you, you're in the military, uh, you're in the Marine Corps four years, and then you get out and mm-hmm. you decide to go to college in Iowa state, right? Yep. Yep. I uh, got out of the military, went to college, uh, you know, cause that's just what you do. You go sure. to college, you, uh, you earn a degree and then you get a job and, you know, pump out a few babies and, <laughs> Pick offenses and all that kind of stuff. The American dream, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, that's what happened. Well, right? what, what I found out was that, okay, so I'm, so I'm in college and I get my job and I don't like my job, but that's just kind of how it is. Right. Uh, you know, you don't like your job, but you do it because you have to do it to get money and you like money to buy jet skis and sure. jet skis are happiness. So money can buy happiness if you spend it on jet skis. Right. Uh, but, uh, but you know, who wants to be miserable for you know, a third of their life? Now eight nine hours a day for, for uh, you know thirty years of their life. You're so right. That was uh, that was really. I, I think that was kind of a turning point. Kind uh, of an eye opener. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now I get it. Yeah, you're right. So let's talk a little bit about. So you worked in corporate for how long? Uh, actually, I ju- I had gotten out out of the military, graduated in two thousand three, started in corporate finance. Uh, mm-hmm. because, you know, I had always enjoyed, uh, uh investing and, and that kind of thing. But I heard that you kind of have to start in, in finance and, and accounting, uh, which is way wrong answer. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I so I was actually that. in, uh, a corporate accountant, corporate finance in for four years. Okay. Uh, before, before, uh, really just kind of saying, I got to get out of here and moving to, uh, Medellin, Colombia. Whoa. Actually. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So, so if that's not a teaser, but uh, backing up, yeah, I know, I, I know, it totally is a one teaser. Of first life, we, we, one of my first money it. lessons was, was just, uh, you know, I was so miserable in my job that I would just, I just basically just sit there and daydream about early retirement. And this was before the whole financial independence retire early movement. Uh, right. So I kind of created it in my head, I guess. Uh, and so, so I was saving every penny. I was working, you know, two jobs. Plus I had a real estate, some real estate rentals that I was managing. Okay. And so you're uh, working your ass off. Yeah. Saving everything and doing nothing. And I was yeah. miserable. Now, what was uh, your cube experience? Like, were you like crazy busy or were you in one of those situations where you kind of were bored a lot? Oh no, I was bored all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I could, yeah. well, that's actually worse than being crazy busy. I, sure. In my yeah, opinion, I, it, you know, well, it, the, the devil's, what is it? Uh, you know, idle hands are the devil's work, right? Yes. Uh, not that I'm a religious person, but that just came, <laughs> no, came to mind. It makes sense. My, yeah, it's a good experience. cliche. The cliches are yeah. there because you know, they work. But, uh, but yeah, I could get my job done in, in about a day, day and a half. And, and oh, the rest lovely. of the week I just had to sit there and be miserable and be bored. And, I had that job. I've had that job, job three times yeah. or four times. Maybe. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so the problem was that, you know, I was working, working so hard and, and so miserable that 
every six months or so, I would just go on a spending spree and and spend half of what I had saved. You know, and uh, this was this was right. to the end goal of retiring early, supposedly. But but I really didn't know what a retire early retirement meant. Sure. I just knew that it meant not working this crappy job. You just wanted to uh, get the hell out of that cube. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So and, and I think. I think it's something a lot of people can relate to. You know, uh, they they know they don't want to do what they're doing now. They don't necessarily have an idea what they want to do if they ever get to that, you know, that f- mystical financial independence. Right. But uh, it's not going to be this. Yes. Uh, and and yeah, it just leads to that you know directionless road trip where you end up you know out of gas on the side of the road because <laughs> you know when like you're that. working your ass off and not doing anything fun. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's kind of like the financial equivalent of yo-yo dieting and, and you really, your bank account gets nowhere. Mm. Um, okay. So, okay. So you, so that the, your yo-yo was like save, 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 ah! and then you'd go do retail therapy and blow your, all yeah. your savings. Yes. Okay. You know, I've save, gone save, through save, that. And then spend in big capital letters. Right. Just so. because you were trying to feel good essentially. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. And at that point, your only, your only happiness mechanism was to go spend money. Yep. Yep. Exactly. I got so, you. uh, so I decided there had to be something else. Uh, right. I ended up, you know, this was right around the time that the, uh, the free trade agreement between the U S and Colombia was, uh, was being, uh, negotiated. Oh, wow. Uh, okay. so I, I knew, you know, I mean, I knew I had a MBA at this point, I had gone to night sc- night classes for an MBA and I knew I could, you know, make a living with uh, private consulting down in Colombia. Uh, oh, wow. Okay. So, and, and of course I had, uh, you know, studied Spanish for all of about uh, six months, uh, <laughs> and in high school. So I thought I I, I knew Spanish well enough to do that. Okay, uh, which of course always turns out to be not the case. But immersion uh, is always a good tactic. It is, and you, you, you learn so quickly. <laughs> yes, I, yeah. Well, at least you're going to learn. You probably don't. I don't know how long you've lived there now, but you know, you pick up what you need. You know, and mm-hmm. and then yeah. you fill in the gaps as you go, kind of thing, right? Yep. So, and so, yeah, in, in 2006, then I just said, you know what, this, I don't know what I want exactly, but this is, isn't it. So I, I moved to, uh, to Columbia, uh, way wow. South Columbia, the country yes. and, uh, and, uh, you know, started doing free trade consulting. Now, and, were you married then and with a kid or were you nope. <clears throat> single? Okay. Nope. Single. All right. I was wow. still single, uh, which of course is, is part of the appeal of, uh, you know, going to a, uh, another country and being the exotic foreigner. Sure. No, uh, it's, and, and it would be a lot harder if you already had say like a wife and kid. It oh, would, sure. You, yeah. Then you would have to be selling that idea. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. Okay. So yeah, all okay. I had to do was sell, sell to myself, which, right. which, which was you know, super easy. Pretty easy. Right. Yeah. So I moved down here and, uh, I, I did that for, for a couple of years, I actually met the woman that, that would become my wife while I was down here. Perfect. Uh, so, you know, so uh, see, she's cool with being in Colombia. She is. She is. Because <laughs> she's there. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Uh, and and yeah, and just really, uh, you know, I didn't uh, didn't necessarily love being a free trade consultant. Okay. Uh, but uh, but I did love having my own business and, and being able to build that and really have some kind of a control over my own my own financial destiny. Yeah, right. you didn't uh, have to sit in the cube you, if there was nothing sure. to do. You could just leave. My work well, sure. is done. <laughs> right. Well, Probably that, didn't that, happen it, as much. Right. You know, your 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 salary, your compensation, whatever you want to call it, is really based on on what you do and how much you work. Right. So, you know, you're no longer 
uh, getting your work done in two days and, and bored off your ass for the other uh, three days, but it doesn't matter because you get paid a salary uh, whether you, you know, what, whatever you do or not. Right, right. Uh, you can actually, hey, I'm going to go ahead and work four days this week and, and make more money. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so, yeah, I, I kind of uh, I kind of got that bug. Uh, but the bug doesn't pay the bills, so we actually had to move back to Iowa in 2008 uh, okay. to be I worked as an economist for the uh, for the state. Oh wow! Uh, okay, so you're which, you're back to work now. All right, I am back to real back to real back work. To, back to real uh, job. All right, back to life. Uh, and we worked there. I was there for uh, about five years, uh, and but I still had that you know that drive or that urge to uh, to do something on my own to have my own business. Uh, started looking into freelancing and, uh, and, and, you know, having those online assets like blogs and, and things like that. Okay. So, uh, so, so that's when I started, you know, started really freelancing. I, I had worked as an equity analyst and, and, you know, trade, trade consultant, that kind of thing. So I started, uh, working as a, a freelance equity analyst. So was this uh, sort of like a side hustle or, or it was, okay. Gotcha. And, And mostly because, you know, I had done enough research to know that blogging does does not pay the bills okay. uh, initially. Anyway, you have right. to kind of build up build up your traffic, and and you yeah. know this from podcasting. You, I do. You kind of got to yeah. build your name before you can start making money. Correct. Uh, so so yeah, freelancing was kind of a way to uh, you know start building that client base while my while my online assets were were growing, and uh, and I could eventually go to full time uh, with with just the uh, the blogs and and the other online online websites. But that's great. So how long did that take you? So how uh, long did you keep that job again? I, I, I know you said it, was it like five years? Did you say? Well, that one, that one was, uh, that one was five years, okay. uh, 2008 to 2013. Gotcha. And uh, while you're so, doing that job, you're doing the side hustle, building up those blogs and the building up the blogs, the, the freelancing, we have- freelancing, right. Okay. Yep. Gotcha. Yep. Gotcha. That's a lot of work. Yeah, it was. <laughs> and, and I don't know. I, you know, I look back and I've always been kind of, you know, that's all been doing busy. I've always been busy. You're driven. You've got that driven sort of uh, aspect to you. Yeah. And and there's a, there's a fine line there. Like, you know, when I was doing it straight out of college and, and my corporate finance job, I was, I was miserable because I wasn't combining some kind of a, you know, fun activities and, and spending with it. Uh, but so, so I guess, I mean, you can, you can still work those two jobs. You can still be driven and, and, uh, and, and work a lot, uh, and not be miserable as long as you're, you've got some kind of balance too, I guess. Yeah. You know, I, I think everybody's got a sort of like a different sort of like driven profile, right? Uh, I found out that I'm not really driven and you know, that's okay. That's just not me. You know, not everybody. I think more people are not driven then people are driven, right? Personality wise. That's why well, somebody, somebody's got to be passenger, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'll, right. I'll drive you right. ride. Right. There you go. There you go. You know, I, I, I'm cool with like, uh, doing things that I enjoy, you know, um, fun stuff. Uh, but I have like really low threshold for doing things that are just like mind numbingly dull. And I also found out like what you were talking about, like, um, that realization that sitting home and doing this early retirement thing is not all that it's cracked up to be. Right. I, I mean, basically I took off time, uh, 
uh, to do the GI Bill after I retired from the Air Force. And, and at first it was, it was fun, you know, uh, but then after I finished the college part, um, then I was like, okay, well, let me see if I can, you know, make money from home kind of thing. And I, I was trying different things like, like really different things, but you know, doing something like a podcast or a blog. Um, and then I also drove Lyft <laughs> for a while. Right. But what I learned is like, uh, like what you said in your blog post that I read on one of your websites was what we're seeking this, this early retirement sitting home and doing nothing. Cause I have a big pile of money. That's just not fun. <laughs> yeah. It's not, you know, and let's, let's have a chat about that. What was your experience when you got to that point? Well, and, and it's, it's exactly right. Uh, I actually was talking to some other uh, bloggers and, and podcasters last week and talking about, I mean, that fire movement. So financial independence, retire early is, is the, the whole, all the rage. Right. But maybe, I mean, you know, but maybe once you get be, there, it's like, it's like, now what? You're going to, uh, exactly. Yes. So I'm not, not old enough not? to be retired. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> right. I mean, I, I think, you know, at this point I'm financial independence, retire never because, right. you know, I yes. enjoy what I'm doing. I've actually found something that I can do that I enjoy that I, uh, you know, I love doing it. Uh, and I make, I make money off of it. So why, you know, why am I going to sit around in uh, shorts and, and play shuffleboard for right. 12 hours a day? Right. Uh, and you know, call that fun, I guess. I, I don't know. I mean, there, what I'm saying, there's only so much, uh, so many episodes of the Simpsons and Bob's burgers that you can watch yes. uh, without saying, uh, there's gotta be something else to, to life. <laughs> so, yeah. You know, and the thing, uh, I think, it's just a, a re you're right. Retire never is, is probably like appropriate because even when you get to retirement, like my parents, they're like 79 and 80. Right. And sure. They haven't had jobs for a very long time, but they do stuff. You know, they're constantly, you know, volunteering at the, uh, where are they at? The American Legion. Right. Okay. And you know, and they're, you know, doing stuff, you know, they're not sitting around the house watching TV. They're not. <laughs> and, and we know why they're not, because even at that age, it's boring, you know, mm-hmm. sitting around looking at each other going, hey, you look the same. <laughs> <laughs> is, is that a new mole or what? I don't know. Right, right, right. Yeah. It's just like that whole, you know, idea. And even if, you know, you're doing the other thing, you know, where like you've got the big pile of money that you could never spend. Right. Mm-hmm. Those folks. So, so yeah, I guess. Right. I mean, I guess it's it's a matter of so so. What, what's the movie quote? You know, get busy living or get busy dying, right? right. And whether yeah. whether you figure that out before you retire or after you retire, what you're actually going to do to you know to live, uh, you got to yes. figure it out. You, right. You can't just you can't just basically you know work to retirement and then and then figure it out. Just uh, yeah, figure it out now. Yeah. No, I concur because it'll uh, that the sitting around with uh, or waking up in the morning with absolutely nothing to do. No fun. (laughs) Uh, And, and I think we can definitely agree on that. So, okay. So we pretty much got to the end of my list, unless you want to talk a little bit about your classic military workout. That's, uh, it's interesting to me because what do you do? Do you like play Reveille and then like get out of bed and like, 
complain about some imaginary sergeant telling you what to do and then do yeah, it. I, I, yeah I, I jump out of bed and do a couple jumping jacks and pisses my wife off to no end but, uh, <laughs> yeah. no I, I just uh, okay you know I mean I, I always enjoyed exercising lifting weights and and you know now I'm in a spinning class because that's that's evidently what you do when you're 42 years old gotcha uh, yes you know even the big tough marine they they go to spinning class because <laughs> they, they tell me I don't know uh, but, but no, that, you know, getting back to just, just that classic, uh, running pull-ups, push-ups, you know, that, that, that classic exercise that you can do with, with no gym membership, uh, right. you, you know, you get outside and, you know, you get some fresh air and, uh, it's, it's almost like, almost like meditation, physical meditation. I love that. You know, that, yes. that I think a lot of people are missing out on. Yeah. I just like to take long walks and I got one of those 50 pound kettlebells. So when I'm feeling froggy, I throw that around. <laughs> it, it, it's, if you're throwing a 50-pound kettlebell around, that's uh, that's more than a little froggy. That's, <laughs> that's, that's a Schwarzenegger workout, I think. I'm just a big dude. Don't think you know. I'm I'm kind of overweight, you know. So, but I'm you know I'm big, you know. So 50 pounds is not that big of a deal for me. So, and I thought you know if I'm gonna buy a kettlebell, go big, and that was the biggest one I could get. <laughs> <laughs> it works though. I mean, I, I prefer that, you know, I'll still do like some, maybe some push-ups and some of that, uh, the strength kind of, uh, yoga -y stuff, you know, like planks and things like that. Um, <clears throat> but I, I really dig that kettlebell just because it's tiny, right? I mean, yeah, it's heavy, but it's small, right? <laughs> I don't okay. want to have a, a full whole gym, but I think it's, that's just, you know, you need something heavy. Right. Yeah. And well, you, it's can do, I mean, you can do different right, stuff with that. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. I never really got that swing down. I don't know the if you swing the kettlebell I, swing. I don't know if you've ever seen that, you know, Google it or, you know, YouTube it, but it's difficult. <laughs> yeah, Jeff, if I Google kettlebell swing, I'm going to have to sort through three pages of porn before I actually find. Ew. Something. <laughs> so, so I'm just going to take your word for it and not start Googling things. I don't know. Wow. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> well done. Okay. So, uh, so let's talk a little bit because we've got a little bit of extra time and I, you know, we're both sort of like into money. So I don't, I didn't sure. want to make this whole show about money because it's about you. Um, but I don't mind talking about money. Um, so let's talk a little bit about sort of like your investment uh, approaches and philosophies because, you know, I've been doing the Motley Fool since I was, you know, like in my twenties, I guess, or yeah, somewhere around in my twenties, like late twenties. Um, and I started in that dividend down thing where okay. it turned out to be the whole method was a lot of data mining. So I, I got off of that, <laughs> but there's still a lot of value in owning those dividend stocks. I get that. Um, but now it's a, it's a little bit more, it's a lot hybrid and is my, uh, it's sort of like, I want to be so diversified. It's stupid. Um, okay. Yeah. Um, but I, I'd like to get some of your insights just because, uh, I'm interested. Sure. You know, I, I think people complicate investing a lot. Oh, totally. Uh, there's, you know, there, there's certainly something to be said for the analysis and, and I mean, yeah, if you, if that. it's something you enjoy, <laughs> then sure. Right. Then, then go and look at stocks. Uh, but I think most people, I mean, the vast, vast majority of people would be just fine with, uh, with something called the, uh, the core satellite approach. Core and it's satellite. basically, 
It's basically, you know, you take 70% of your money uh, and you just put it in uh, core funds, right? Uh, okay. So these are going to be like like sector funds or index funds, uh, right. you know, these, these broad uh, exchange traded funds that cover, you know, if not the entire stock market, then a, a large sector of the stock market. So utilities or, or technology or, or all that. Gotcha. So, so basically, basically you've got, you know, three, three quarters of your, of your money in use huge, broad diversified funds, uh, and you're getting market returns and you right. don't worry about it because, you know, each fund holds maybe, maybe a few hundred stocks and, and, and it's not going to go up and down a whole lot. It's just going to follow the market. Right. Uh, and, and then, you know, if you do, and you're enjoy not paying it, some fee manager, you know, or exactly. Right. Fund you know, manager, I, a bunch I mean, of fees. Right. There's a, there's a race to the bottom in, in fund fees right now. Uh, so Which you can get a, <laughs> yeah, you can get a foot, you can get a Vanguard fund for, I mean, basically a 10th of a percent, right. Which right, is right. just ridiculous, ridiculously low. Yes. Uh, so you're paying nothing in fees. You've got market returns. You're not worried about it. Uh, and then, sure, if you enjoy picking stocks and that, then then that other 30, 25 or thirty percent of your money, uh, maybe you put it in in five or ten individual stocks or, or other things. Okay. Uh, because because each one is only maybe three or four percent of of your entire portfolio, and it's really not going to hurt much if if it uh, goes down very. Uh, quite a bit uh-huh. uh, if, if a single company crashes or something. Uh, but, you know, you've got a little bit extra return or uh, p- potential for extra return if you pick the right stocks. Right, uh, right. So it's, it's just, it just gives people the, uh, at least the, the something to do with their investments that they, they feel like, because uh, I know a lot of investors, they sit there with, uh, with all funds and they feel like, you know, they should be doing more. They, sh- they can be doing more. They, they turn on CNBC and they hear some guy screaming, buy, buy, buy. And, right. and <laughs> yeah, right. And they yes. feel like they're missing out on, uh, you know, some on irrational exuberance. Double- right. Exactly. They, yes. they feel like they're missing out on some double digit returns. Uh, and it's not necessarily the case, but you know, they get sucked into it and then they put, you know, all of their money in individual stocks and, and trading and all that. Yeah. And you know, they end up losing their money. So this core right, satellite right. approach is just a way to kind of get the best of both worlds, uh, you know, get that market return, which is really all you need to meet your invest, investing goals, all, all you need to meet those retirement goals. Uh, but you get, still get to scratch that itch with, uh, you know, with maybe 25, 30 percent of your money. You, you, yeah. you invest in different different assets, different investments. Yeah, I've been doing different like Motley Fool newsletter services, which are uh-huh. really good, you know, Um Now, I started paying for some of the more risky ones just because I was like, well, if I'm going to have some riskiness going on, because I was with you. I was like, because if you go down the tree of what to do, what you just said is basically their their core advice. It's like most of your money should be boring and you should just leave it alone. (laughs) Like something like a S&P 500 or total stock index with the lowest possible fee from Vanguard. Right. (laughs) That should be all of your money or, you know, like a significant portion of it, like 70, 80%, something like that. Uh But if you still want to screw around, get one of our newsletters and we'll tell you which stocks to get. And I, yeah, I think that should be their, that should be their slogan right there. If you still want to screw around, buy one of our newsletters. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's probably not, but you know, I think it, it does what you just said. It scratches that itch because it's fun. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of like gambling 
Um, but you can do it smart, you know? Sure. sure. Yeah. There you go. I've been messing around with options. Have you ever played with options? I've, I've done quite a bit of, uh, options trading. Just, I use it more as a, uh, more as a hedge anymore. So, okay. uh, gotcha. you know, if some, if some of my stocks are getting a, a little expensive, but I don't really want to sell them, mm-hmm. then I will, I'll sell some calls against that. So basically it kind of, you know, uh, uh, no, locks perfect. in some money or, yeah, yeah. or, you know, you sell some, or you buy some puts against, uh, against some, some of your stocks. So it kind of locks in that bottom price that, uh, that you're going to get. My, um, I, so. I bought this, uh, the Motley Fool has an option service. So, okay. um, so that um, my favorite strategies are what they call the diagonal call. Have okay. you ever heard of that? It's basically, I, I haven't. Okay. Well, I don't want to get too detail oriented <laughs> people are going to get bored <laughs> but it's fun because it's it's so i'll try to like if i explain it to you maybe uh, uh somebody else might understand it but you buy say like a a very long call right the okay. longest call you can that's like two years away right okay and they tell you which to how to set this all up right and then that well, you get like the same number of contracts on a short call based on that long call. And, okay. And the, so you so you buy you buy a long dated call and you sell a, a shorter dated call. Correct. Okay, that's just a that's a calendar spread. Calendar it's, spread. It's yep. Something else. Yep. Okay. Yep. So yeah, and then what you're hoping to do is is have that short call expire worthless and keep the premium. That's what you want. <laughs> right. And it doesn't always, and if it doesn't go that way, sometimes you get an execution and no big deal. That was okay. Um, mm-hmm. Or you get assigned. That's okay. Um, but those are the two worst case scenarios and you have to be okay with those. Right. Yeah, and then the yeah. third, the second intermediary option is in what you usually do is if the price isn't where you want it to be pre expiration is you roll up or roll out, you know, and that end usually ends up costing you a little bit. It might be net zero or you might make a tiny little bit of money, you know, to sure. roll. Yeah. So, but it's fun. You know, it's, let's see, I, I, you can tell it's fun. You know, every quarter you get to go, Oh, am I going to win? <laughs> <laughs> and when you do, it's like, yay. <laughs> yeah. Op- options can be a lot of, I mean, and there's a lot of different strategies, uh, you know, calendar spreads or, or just, uh, I just buying like the optionality selling, uh, of options it, you know? of different, uh, you know, different strike prices. Uh, yeah. so you can do that, uh, you know, do that strike spread. Uh, and yeah, it's, it a can be a lot spread. of fun. But yeah, I mean, I've done covered calls. I've sold straight up puts. Um, and then I've got a couple of things that I really don't understand. They're called bull call spreads. And it's basically mimicking stock ownership, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's just sort of like a, <clears throat> it, we'll set this up and see what happens in, you know, three years. <laughs> it's like, okay, we'll see what happens in three years. I don't know yet. It hasn't happened. So, yeah. But I, I definitely enjoy playing around with options. So it, and, and it goes to that emotional point that you brought up is that scratching that itch. Then I don't, you know, I live in Vegas and you know, I don't have to gamble. Wow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but you, but you don't get the free drinks while you're playing options. That's so, true. I don't know. That's true. It's a wash, I guess. Yeah, maybe. Well, you know what though? If you live in Vegas and you have your gamblers card, they do give you free coffee several times a week. 
And that's good enough for me. They give me free drinks, but I don't want them. You know, they're like Bud Light or Coors Light or something. I don't want that, you know. And, and we don't sit at the, at the slots long enough to, to want to ask for a drink. Anyway, I digress. <laughs> this has been a blast, man. I appreciate you being here. Um, so you are at, um, wait, let's talk money on YouTube. So, uh, other than that, how can people best get in touch with you if they want to connect? Well, like I said, I've got, uh, lots of blogs, uh, actually kind of split or split up my blogs just so I could, uh, talk about different things and not dilute one message. So, so, uh, I've got purefinance101.com for, for everyone that wants to talk about debt and, and, and personal finance and really reaching your financial goals that way. Gotcha. Uh, I've got, uh, mystockmarketbasics.com, which is really the investing, the investing site. Uh, you know, I, I use some of the, uh, some of the ideas that we've talked about right here. Yeah. Uh, and, and just trying to create that, uh, that stress-free portfolio that, uh, you know, that, that gets you to where you want to go. Mm. And then myworkfromhomemoney.com, which is uh, kind of journeys, chronicles my journey through uh, working from home and and making money online. Wow. But uh, but like I said, they, you know, I'm rolling it all up into the uh, the Let's Talk Money YouTube channel, uh, having a blast. Love the sense of community we get from the channel and, and would love to see uh, everyone over there. Awesome. Thank you, Joseph, or, you know, Joe, you can call me Jeff. I'll call you Joe. Joseph is the keyword. <laughs> this has been a blast. I appreciate you being here. Have a good one. I appreciate it. Thank you. You too. All right. Thanks for taking the time to ride along with us on another episode of Vroom Vroom Veer. For podcast info and show notes, be sure to head over to vvveer.com. That's triple V double E-R.com. Man, that's fun to say. And we'll catch up with you next time here on Vroom Vroom Veer. Vroom Vroom Veer.